Hello and welcome to this very special eighth episode of the Diacast. My name is Kos and I'm joined here today by Adi and Brent. Today is February 8th, 2018 and... This is a very special episode because we're participating in the Diabetes Podcast Week, which is February 11th until the 17th. And we're working together with some other podcasts. You'll hear an ad for one of them in our episode to support a charity, Life for a Child USA, which supports families who have children with diabetes in third world countries. So before we start, what's you guys' um, BG right now? I'm 217, so... 217 is 12 for uh, millimole people. And I'm 137. Which is 7.6. How about you, Cass? I'm at 5.2, which is 94. And I don't know how, because this week has just been magical for me. <laughs> and I wish it would never end, because I've been in range, like, always. I've been low this entire week, which was actually pretty great, because we got ice cream. Upcoming A1C test. <laughs> uh-huh. Yeah, me too. <laughs> I actually have one next week. Oh, cool. I've got one the 20th, I believe, yeah. I got one the 20th of April. Ooh. Yeah. I'm hoping that this sudden magical control will stay until my test, so I can cheat my way into having a good result. <laughs> <laughs> cheat my way into self-satisfaction. Exactly. I mean, A1C is like a whole wrong measure. It is pretty wrong. It considers closer values to the time of checking a lot more. And even then, like, an average is not a good measure of control. Yeah. You could be, like, zero half the time and, what, like, 180 another half the time. Then just, yeah, my one sees perfect. Um, I'm going to put that on the list of topics for another time. Okay, so the first topic for today is a story that I want to talk about. Um, this happened to me like maybe a year ago. I was suffering from a thing that I call a lipo because I cannot pronounce the entire word, which is lipo hyper hypertrophy hypertrophy lipo hypertrophy. Yeah, that thing. And according to Wikipedia, I'll just read their definition because I think it's a good definition. Lipo hypertrophy is a medical term that refers to a lump under the skin caused by accumulation of extra fat at the site of many subcutaneous injections of insulin. So basically, if you inject in the same site too many times, too often, you get like fat and scar tissue and insulin won't work there. So don't do that. Um, I did do that. So I got this, a lipo. So basically what happened was I have two sites, like two areas of my body that I prefer for my infusion sites, which are my sites uh, like near the back. And they're my favorite spots because they're not in a way they usually absorb insulin very well. So I unconsciously use them more often than some other sites. So one day I had it in there. It was like the day that I would change it. So it had been in there for two days. And I noticed that I was super high all day. Like after breakfast, I went up and I wouldn't really come down. And then lunch, I only got higher. And like I kept going up no matter how much insulin I injected. And by the time I realized that it might be this, it was like 4 p.m. And... I noticed that when I touched my side, like my hands would get wet from the insulin, like it was seeping out. Ooh. So there was like a whole pocket, I guess, of insulin below my skin. Um, so I went home and I started going down. So I thought, oh, cool, I'm going down. 
like a complete idiot, I injected more insulin because I thought I want to go down more. <laughs> but um, the thing is that the insulin that you inject that doesn't work when you have a lipo yeah. won't just go away. It'll stay in your body and then at the most inconvenient time decide to all release at once. Yeah. Which is what happened to me. So I got home. I went down from like 20, which is 360 to like four, which is 72 Oof. in the span of maybe half an hour. So I was pretty sure <laughs> I was just going to die. Oh, no. Because... <laughs> half an hour? Mm-hmm. Oh, no. Yeah. I did the opposite once. Not that way. <laughs> <laughs> so I was um, scared and I... Like, I noticed the going down, so I started eating whatever I had in my bag while I was going home, which were mostly slow carbs, which only made my entire night worse. When I got home, I panicked. I didn't know what to do, so I called my um, diabetes nurse. Like, my diabetes clinic thing has this emergency number for outside office hours. So I called them, and they're like, Oh, yeah, you had a lipo. Just um, don't stop eating ever until you're back up. So what I did was put a temporary basal of zero um, for like the next eight hours. That's uh, the maximum time for a temp basal, apparently. So I didn't get any insulin. And I just started chugging apple juice that I found in the fridge. So I was down two cartons of like... A liter. Oh my god. And I was still just floating around four, so around 72. Jesus. Like, it would go up a little bit and then go down again without me injecting any insulin. So, yeah, that was scary. And then the worst part was that I, like, I ran out of apple juice, but we still had, like, half a carton of orange juice in the fridge. So I take the carton of orange juice and I, I take a sip and I notice that there was, like, a a weird texture in it like it was thicker than i'm used to oh, from orange no. juice but i thought oh whatever oh, i'm low no. just whatever so i take a big gulp and like the thing blocks up it doesn't like there's no orange juice coming out so oh. i squeeze the carton and like this huge wad of like mold <laughs> comes out like oh god. Oh, oh god it was expired like two years Oh my oh, god. No. The worst part is that I had to keep drinking because I was so low. Oh no. Yeah. So you drank it? Yeah, I had to. <laughs> and I got super sick, but at least I survived. <laughs> oh god, Jesus. Oh god. So, yeah, the moral of this story... Wait, was that when you got sick? Well, I got sick from the expired orange juice. Like, you mean got sick, like... Because... You threw up or you got the flu? Well, I really wanted to throw up, but then I would have to drink even more. So I managed to keep it down. Just flush it down with more. Yeah, exactly. But like, you know, the feeling of having to throw up. Yeah. I was just dealing with that for the rest of the night. Oh, God. Because by this time, I had two liters of apple juice and a, like half a liter of orange juice in my body. That's disgusting. Uh-huh. The one thing, I, I guess, the upside of this was that I haven't been able to eat this much without taking insulin and without being high afterwards. So, um, after a while, I, there was just before I had a CGM. So I would just, I kept testing like every 15 minutes. Oh. Insurance didn't like that because apparently there's a limit to how many test trips you can get in a year, <laughs> which I exceeded. Oh. But I 
managed to get more because this is not a regular occurrence for me. Yeah. <laughs> Fortunately. <laughs> so this was like a while ago or? Yeah, I I thought it was a year, but it was before I had a CGM. So that's like... Ah, uh, that's all. Two years ago, maybe. I thought this was recently. No, no, no. I, I really learned my lesson then. Yeah. About side rotation. Yeah. I have uh, had a lipo once, but it, it wasn't that extreme. I found out that I have a very high risk for lipos because if I use oh. a site for like four days, I like that's it. It's done. There's Oof. no insulin absorption. Like I don't get the scary things that you see on Google Images. Yeah. My insulin absorption goes down like really fast after the third day. So Oof. like that's my primary way of recognizing that I really need to change my site is insulin absorption going down. But also if you take out your site, um, if you feel like a little hard like thing under your skin, that's a beginning lipo. It's like scar tissue with fat. Yeah. And it's harder than regular, like whatever is under your skin, muscle, fats, whatever. So if you have like a little ball of hard, hardness sitting under your skin under where your site was um i would recommend not using that site for like a month yeah i actually have one right now <laughs> okay don't use it or you'll end up drinking expired orange juice <laughs> um i mainly use my thighs for my pump because mm-hmm. it's wireless and stuff like that oh yeah it's really comfortable mm-hmm. um and i just noticed like while we were speaking i was like looking at it and it <laughs> looks like scar tissue oh no but it's not that bad because i could just use my arms for a while like if you go over it with your um hands like like slightly pushing down and then rub over it do you feel like a little not really it just feels kind of like um imagine like your skin is like a sheet of metal all right uh-huh and then that part is like brushed metal that's what it looks like oh it looks different too it looks different. Oh, man. I'm not sure what that's from. Maybe from the adhesive, actually. Did you recently remove your side there? Yes. Like this morning. Yeah, it might be from the adhesive then. One thing that I've heard that helps is massaging the sides, but like, I'd rather just prevent it instead of massaging it when it's too late. Yeah. But massages are nice. Yeah, yeah I used to uh, back... A while ago, I used to, like, keep my pump sights on for, like, a week or two. Oh, man. Yeah. Did you never, like, have any issues like this? Okay, maybe it wasn't two weeks, but, like, maybe a week. I did have issues, Mm -hmm. but it wasn't as bad as, like, you had. Yeah, well, this, what I had was compounded by just terrible eating all day, so I had way more carbs than I usually do. So way more insulin, like waiting to just ruin my night. Oh, I always do that. (laughs) Okay, so this week our episode is part of the Diabetes Podcast Week, which is a week where uh, several diabetes-related podcasts put out a show and we're trying to raise money for Life for a Child, which is a charity that gives money to families in third world countries which have kids with diabetes. 
what they do is they partner with diabetes centers in low-income countries to provide kids and young people with insulin and syringes, A1C tests, diabetes education, glucose monitoring equipment, test strips, and clinical care. And they also provide support for health professionals in those fields. With those partnerships with health centers that they already have, they're supporting over 18,000 young people living with type 1 diabetes, which I think is amazing. They're currently active in 42 countries. And what we're trying to do is raise money for them so they can continue helping young people that have type 1 diabetes. What you can do is go to their website, which is lifeforachildusa.org. We'll also put a link in the show notes. And there you can find information to donate some of your money to them. You can choose to either uh, give a one-time donation or to give them a recurring payment. Okay, so um, another part of the, the Diabetes Podcast Week is that we work together with other podcasts. So we're going to play a little clip now from the Diabetics Doing Things podcast. And um, maybe you'll check them out. What's up, everybody? Rob Howe here from the Diabetics Doing Things podcast. We've been telling the amazing stories of type 1 diabetics from all across the world since 2015, and we have a great lineup of new episodes for the beginning of this year. So whether it's going behind the scenes of your favorite Instagram celebrity, hearing feats of amazing accomplishments, or just making it through everyday life, we've got the story for you. So check us out on iTunes and Google Play, Diabetics Doing Things, or at DiabeticsDoingThings.com. And if you want to be featured on the show or recommend somebody to be featured on the show, just shoot me a DM on Instagram at robhowe21 or at diabeticsdoingthings. We're pumped to be a part of D-Podcast Week, so let's get you back to your episode. So I was in a clinical trial about two years ago in which I was given an enzyme called alpha-1 antitrypsine, which is supposed to extend the honeymoon phase, which is um, a phase... After you get diagnosed and are given insulin with type 1 diabetes, that's how it is, um, your pancreas kicks in for a bit, you know, like, because it, it's having help from external insulin. So, kicks in for a while. And then, during that phase, it's called the honeymoon phase. And then, I was given this enzyme to make my, my diabetes easier, essentially, because my pancreas did part of the job. So, you can check how much of the insulin in your body is from your pancreas through an enzyme called C-peptide that you can check in your blood. About a year and a half after I started the trial, uh, it was weekly infusions uh, of the enzyme. Uh, I got checked and I still had pretty high C-peptide levels. So I guess that worked. And I also noticed that um, my care was a lot easier a year after than like it was, uh, let's say, six months after. I got diagnosed. Oh, really? So it actually got better? Yeah. Well, like, my diabetes got better for a while, and it didn't get that much worse. When did you start this trial? This trial, uh, about two, two and a something years ago. Like, how long after you got diagnosed? A couple of months. Oh, cool. Like, theoretically, you have to be in your honeymoon phase for it to kick in, for it to work. Cause oh, it yeah, there, like, there still need to be some beta cells to yes. work. That's interesting. And are you, like, still in this trial now, or...? No, the the trial sort of ended because of a bunch of complications they had with, like, the standards. They didn't do things right there. They sort of messed up a lot. Mm -hmm. I was given the wrong uh, infusion bag once. Oh. So I was just, like, for an hour on the wrong bag. It was kind of oh. weird. 
Oh no, I hope it was just like a saline solution and not some weird medication. Oh yeah, yeah. There, there was either a saline solution or, or the thick, or like the enzyme in low or high quantities. I got the high quantity one because they forgot to cover the bag ones too. Hmm. So you got it, even less yeah. diabetes for a while. <laughs> yeah, I, I got less diabetes than I was diagnosed with. It was pretty nice. That's, That's cool. Cool though. It is really cool. And like, imagine if this could be somehow evolved into just restoring a pancreas. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I don't think like it doesn't rebuild cells, but yeah, it, it exactly. does delay. Imagine you're discovered to have really, really early signs of diabetes, type one diabetes. Yeah. And then you start taking this drug. All right. And then you're like, I'd rather go once a week to a uh, hour tra- like infusion than have diabetes. <laughs> you know? Yeah. Yeah. Like maybe if this actually like continues this research, it could just be like a pill you take every morning or something. Yeah, that would be cool. Yeah, that would be cool. Even though enzymes aren't pill takeable because they get digested. I don't know. Just Same problem as insulin, but like, whatever. Wikipedia says that it's made in the liver, so maybe like a pill to promote production of it. I don't know. I'm not a well, doctor. Like, the moment... Um, this gets like a pill to promote production. It'll be the same time insulin gets a pill to promote production. Yeah, but in whatever's left of your pancreas, because like that's how enzymes work. But like, what does this actually do? What does this do? Yeah, like how hmm. did it extend your honeymoon? Like, I don't know. Did it's, it like inhibit I, I, your your yeah. immune system, or did it? I, just... I I really don't know. From what I understand, it it's used in like lung stuff yeah hmm. for like lung cancer candidates i guess but but your pancreas isn't in your lungs though to try and keep them from getting lung cancer but uh-huh. i don't understand how it affects insulin it worked i guess <laughs> i mean if it worked interesting but did you have like the very um sporadic control that some people in their honeymoon have or did you just have like way higher insulin sensitivity kind of Oh, no, I had, like, I could go to sleep with, uh, like, be- anywhere between 70 and 140, which is, like, between, wait, let me just check that. Yeah. Between 70, which is 3.9, and 140, which is 7.8, and wake up pretty much 90, which is 5. Without taking basal insulin. No, I I, I would take basal, but, like, all the micro-adjustments, say, that your open APS system makes. Yeah. My, my body would sort of adjust for automatically. Yeah, instead of open APS, you were doing. I was the open APS. Lipo hyper hypertrophy, hypertrophy, lipo hypertrophy, lipo hypertrophy. Yeah. What? Lipo hyper hypertrophy, like hypertrophy. The hypertrophy. That's what you get when you're high all the time. It's like you the get a Super trophy. Bowl. Super Bowl hypertrophy. If if I remember this right. Oh, found it. Alpha 1 antitrypsine. Oh. There you go. Could you type that so I could put it in the notes? <laughs> Wait. I'm going to check what it does. It's a protease inhibitor. Uh, It protects tissues from inflammatory cells. What is this? What do it do? Function. Um, uh, this is too science for me. 